Previously on Huzzah. Our heroes have returned the crown, but it is revealed to have been cursed. Evidence points to a drow plot. The heroes bring the crown to Elwyn Glowstrider, a member of the Druid Council. But before the curse can be examined, the party has come under attack. talking about everything but the rules and the dice. We're so glad you could join us and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, my name is Jocelyn. Uh, if this is your first time here, welcome. If not, then you've heard my voice coming through your speakers before. Anyway, uh, we, well, hang on, Wait, there's another person involved in this, uh, Jeff. Yes, I am Jeff. Uh, normally, <laughs> I am Jeff. The, uh, normally the DM slash, uh, I don't know, extra co-host here and I'm so oh yeah i forgot about that i'm the i normally play Alora starflower uh, which is a good lead-in to the fact that this show is going to be a little bit different because the holidays happened and while they were lovely and wonderful it means we've kind of fell off the recording wagon and well, also we just we didn't to really something. we didn't yeah. really fall off we just delayed a couple weeks um also also means that we don't have a guest today it's just the two of us hanging out um, talking today, so uh, should be interesting. Yeah, we wanted to give uh, a different format a chance, and also this is kind of fun because it'll be sort of, I don't feel like a potpourri is the best analogy, but it's all I can come up with, because we have kind of a lot of little different topics, and none of them are really big enough for, or the parts we want to talk about aren't really big enough for a whole show by itself, but we did want to talk about them, so we're going to give a shot. So essentially, we went on to Reddit, and the the subreddit D&D, and then the sub-subreddit controversial topics, and we were like, what's controversial in D&D these days? Yeah. And we pulled these things off. Yeah, we, we, uh, they're, they're kind of scattered from a d- couple different subreddits that I follow, all D&D related, so. Mm-hmm. But uh, we tried to avoid ones that really dive into rules. We got a couple that are more rules heavy this time around, so, you know. Um, it's true. I think the one he's thinking of is really the one that I wanted to talk about, and it's just because I'm kind of sore about it, so it's okay. probably just going to be well, right. I don't, uh, well, you want to lead off with that one? Do you have the original post that came that it came from, or is it just no. a topic that you've been uh, wanting to talk about? I do not have the original post, and I don't think, to be fair, I don't think it really was a post exactly. It kind of came up in like a different post, and it reminded me that I was aggravated about it. So it's something that I've kind of been wanting to talk about, and then... Well, there, I, I, I did, there is a post on this eight days ago, actually, so this might be the one you're thinking of. I don't know, because I feel like I looked for it. XP oh. versus milestone leveling, that's the one, right? Uh, I mean, that sounds right, so maybe it is the one. I thought it was longer ago than that. Uh, well, I know right. it's a topic, yeah, it's a topic that you've talked about before, though. It came out eight days ago, so it's been right around the right time. We started okay. looking for stuff. Anyway, lead into the topic, and then we can have ourselves a discussion. Okay. So, okay. So, if you have not played D anD D, the way that we score stuff is essentially, I mean, bare bones. If you're going to be a murder hobo, you go in there, you kill stuff, and or you accomplish things, and this gives you XP, 
which is short for experience points. Uh, once you have reached a certain level of experience points, you get to level up your character. And that comes with different benefits and new cool things that happen, etc., etc. And that's the way that I was introduced to scoring in the game. There's an alternative method called milestone leveling. So that's basically the DM has an idea like perhaps when you have accomplished this goal or when you've turned in this quest or whatever, then that is your milestone, quote unquote, and you get to level up. Um, what do you think, DM? Does that sound about right? That's, yeah, that's uh, in a nutshell, yeah. Um, that's kind of what you're getting. Um, there's a little more to milestone. Um, well, that's what it looks like from the player side. <laughs> from the player side, yes, I get that. But it's usually there are, and you can think about it about it's kind of like the DM's looking at the campaign as a project, kind of almost. And I hate to mm-hmm. say it like that, but there's certain points in the in the project that you know if the players accomplish X, Y, and Z, they're going to get a level, but they don't right. get a level until they accomplish x y and z Mm -hmm. whether it's they find the MacGuffin and they beat a minor boss to Mm -hmm. uncover a clue then yes they get a level there um it's it's more for the reason milestone came around is more for pacing purposes Mm. so that players weren't going into the final boss so overpowered that you know the dms were having to do extra work to make sure that final boss actually felt like a final boss and not get steamrolled. A mm-hmm. uh, perfect example of this is uh, my uh, Curse of Strahd group right now. They already know that we're so far off book right now because if I was to run the encounters that are straight out of the book to this party, it would not be a challenge at all anymore. It, they would be stomping everything because they're so powerful. Uh, because experience points and this party size would make it uh so easy uh so um they're still getting experience points because that's the way we started the campaign but Mm -hmm. i'm having to do a lot of extra work whereas if we had been going by milestone rules i would have just told them after certain points in the story okay now you're all level x you're all level whatever Mm mm-hmm so that's how I view Milestone. I mean, other DMs might see it differently, but that's how I view it. Okay, once they accomplish this and this and this, then they're going to get a level, and that's fine. It helps with the pacing to make sure that when they get to here, they're at the appropriate level, but they're not too heavy. They're not so far over the level that they're going to stew it. It's going to be essentially a stomp for them. Right. So I understand there's a lot of people who don't like milestones, but as somebody who's having to deal with a party that's way overpowered for the campaign we're in, mm-hmm. it, I can see the benefit of it. If I was running Curse of Strahd as a milestone campaign, they would probably all be about level 5 right now as opposed to we got some that are pushing level 9. Oh, my. And, yeah. And I have 7 of them. So 7 level 9s going into Ravenloft is... It's it's not a good time for Ravenloft if I run it right out of the book, <laughs> which I can't. If if I want it to feel like the climax of the story, I can't run it out of the book. I've got to run it modified heavily to make sure that the challenge rating is there. And by, doing, and by doing that, it increases the experience points that they're going to get for it, so thereby making them stronger at the end of the day. So 
it's a catch-22 when you're running by experience points if you're running a party that's a very talented and getting a lot of experience points Mm-hmm. If they know, if, you know, especially if they're exploring everything and they're finding everything and they're role playing really well, they're going to get a lot of extra experience points for doing all these extra things. Versus if it's just milestone, okay, did they, you know, I could have done it by okay, if they complete a prophecy, yeah, they get a, they get a, they get a level of experience, a level for that. Mm-hmm. It would have been, you know, I could have done it that way. But Milestone wasn't a thing when I started, so it's a very recent thing. It came out last year. I don't. Okay, good. I wasn't making that up because I was like 2018. I think I want to say it came out last year with uh, what book brought it out? Was Uh, it the Water Deep, the Dragon Heist? Oh, you're right. Uh, I think it was uh, Dragon Heist. I'm. uh, I may be wrong, and someone can feel free to correct me. Hold on. Let me look that up. D and D. Well, that makes me feel better because I was like, I know I started with XP and I felt like Milestone was newer, but I didn't know if I was just making that no, up. Milestone like, I just hadn't heard of it. Is um is newer. I'm trying to look and see when it first came out. Um, might have been 2017, actually. It might be older than I think it is. Um... Well, I don't think it was an option when we first started. No, I think it came out. It came out with one of the books. I just don't remember which one. I don't think it might have been Waterdeep, but I think it was before then. Was it the Mad Mage? Oh, Mad Mage was uh, this is the second part of Waterdeep. So it might have been Waterdeep that did it, uh, which I thought Waterdeep came out last year, but time I can't, stretches and compresses. <laughs> I can't remember anymore. It's been so long. Well, the completionist player in me dislikes Milestone. I feel like it's probably better and more humane for DMs, but I'm over here like, oh, come on, man, I want points for, I role-played real good today, or whatever. <laughs> right. And and that's why there's other ways to award players for that stuff, too. I mean, inspiration is a great way to reward players for good role-play. You know, it's... it's mm-hmm. Because it gives them something tangible, but it's a, it's a quick one-shot... So you're not giving them something that's going to break the game for you, but you're giving them something that, okay, if they need it, they have inspiration so they can get a free re-roll, essentially, um, at any time they want. So mm-hmm. it's it's that's, that's how I view it. There's other ways to give your players rewards for, you know, doing... And I give out inspiration more than I would extra XP because my players don't need it, personally. Um but I'll give them a, an inspiration point if they do something very good roleplay wise. Right. But it has to be above and beyond normal roleplay because I got good role players at my table anyway. Mm-hmm. I need something that you know, if they have a, a character moment uh, in the game in the session, then yes, they'll get they'll get uh, inspiration for that. Um, but if they're oh, just they're so good, you gotta step it up. Yeah. No. I, I, <laughs> That's, that's how I feel. I mean, yeah, if you have a good role-playing session, great. But if you go above and beyond and you have a moment, like a character-defining moment in the game, yeah, I'm going to reward you for that. That's you, you should be rewarded for that. That's just the way it is. But I, I feel like everybody's like, well, just give them extra XP. I was like, that's not – that's great. You can do that. That's up, if that's the way you want to run your game, fantastic. But I was like, eh, that doesn't really – 
tell them that they did something great that just tells them hey i, I get a little bit stronger i was like a good role-playing moment might not make the character stronger in any aspect but it might give them inspire them to be a little bit better and that's how i was like i'd rather give them inspiration or something along those lines cool well that makes me feel better about milestone i'm glad we had this conversation yeah there's other yeah you shouldn't look at i i think xp is a the more i think about it the more i i dislike giving xp for good role play because i was Uh like it's just rewarding the players for playing the game and i'm like "Eh, that's 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 what's expected. I mean, it is a role-play game. When you sit down, I was like, now if you have a character-defining moment, yes, we'll, we'll find something for you. Whether it be, you know, you gained an ally because you did amazing role-play, which, or you're going to get some inspiration or something along those lines. There, there's, there's better ways to reward your players for good role-play than just, hey, let's make your character stronger. Because... Then you run the risk of, oh, if you got a really good role player who's consistently getting extra XP because they know how to role play well, they could break the game, and then you then you run that risk um, because they could get they could get extra levels out of the game just because they know how to role play. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's not fair to the other players who are maybe learning or maybe you know. So I'd rather go, okay, well, we could role play. You've gained an ally, or you. <laughs> who got access to this store that you normally wouldn't have access to something narrative that your character has because you know or you just in case of curse of Strahd, you don't go to jail <laughs> yeah jail. you didn't go to jail congratulations you role played so well you didn't get arrested you have a lack of negative consequences today i mean it was a it was a reward for them for role playing they didn't have to deal with trying to break break one of the part of the party out of jail they didn't have to deal with that that part of the story, so that was good for them. But you know, that was their reward for role play. I wasn't going to give them extra XP for it. I'll give them a narrative reward. Cool. Then that's how you get around it in Milestone too, in my opinion. You know, don't worry about XP. There, you know, you're going to level at the pace that you're going to level at. It's how fast you can complete parts of the story. So you know, and in in and in. Depends on the campaign. That campaign, Waterdeep, I think is the one. I think you're right. I think it is the one that introduced Milestone. Waterdeep is a very narrative campaign. You you've played part of it. I played like the first intro session to it, and then I had to unfortunately drop out of the campaign because that other thing got in the way. But you know, that's a very very role play heavy campaign. So there's not a lot of fighting. So if you were counting on killing creatures or We'll get into that in a minute. But if you're relying on combat to get you XP, that's not the campaign for you. Because you're not going to get a lot that way. That's why that I think that's why they designed the Milestone is because Dragon Heist is built that way. I think we've covered Milestone now. So I would like to move on a little bit to metagaming, which I feel is... Uh, the, yeah, I was going to say, metagaming, you're going to... That's a that's a huge can of worms and... Uh, well, I have a specific question. I'm going to narrow it down. You ready? Okay, narrow it down for me. All right. How much, if any, metagaming is acceptable? Ooh, that's still kind of a loaded question, but uh, I, I did a lot of talking recently, so why don't you tell me what you think from a player's perspective as far as metagaming goes? How much do you pref- How much do you accept or think should be allowed? So I personally have never played with people who are this hardcore, but I know that there are some people who are like, no, no metagaming. You must not speak at the table outside of your characters. Oh, yeah. Out of your role play. There's a, wasn't it the, uh, 
the Warhammer fantasy uh, role-playing game, that's actually in the rules. Unless your character has a certain talent, you're not supposed to talk to other players outside of your character. And if your character's not around to talk to them, you can't talk to them. I feel like that... But, uh, yeah, that that's we've already house-ruled that that's not going to happen because that takes the fun of the game away because the whole fun is to hang out with our friends and play this game and, you know, use it as a reason and as an excuse to kind of hang out with our friends. No, I, I... There are those. There are even those that if your character's not in the room, you're not supposed to be in the room. I've heard of oh, no. tables that do that. So I'm like, uh, that's a bit extreme because they don't want you to know what happens. And I, I, I've seen it done. I think Chad's, our, our DM, did it on certain occasions where he would have other people leave the room because he had something very specific and he really didn't want the story to get messed up. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a very rare occasion, I'll I'll excuse it. If it's something that's supposed to be super special to that character and important to that player, okay, maybe we can talk about that. But in, in general, everybody should be a part of it because most of it is there for our enjoyment. I, I you know, if you're building up a scene, you want to have an audience for that scene. That's the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. So that everybody can enjoy it and you can have either... Like, uh, when we were playing Curse of Strahd... You and I were the players, and Chad was running it. There was the moment where we were all very confident your character was going to die. Yeah, it sucked. When you walked down into that basement and walked into the room of cultists, and everybody Oh, that's not the moment I was thinking of at all. That's the moment that stuck in my head, because I remember Bram, myself, we all, we went to the kitchen because we were like, she's dead. There's no way she survives this, because it was you versus, like, six- we're like, yeah, and we're all upstairs. We hit, Our characters have no idea what's going on. We're all upstairs talking to the lady who owned the house, and you're... I like, I like the level of player support here. It's like, oh, well, she's definitely dead. Let's get a snack. We were getting a snack because we were going to watch the scene, but we were like, at the same time, there's nothing our characters can do. We're we're completely out of the mix. There's no reason for our characters to, to suspect anything because I think we actually... Where our characters were providing a distraction for you to explore the house. That was uh, that was a moment where you were the only character acting. The rest of us were kind of watching. We stayed in the room. We just got away from the table so that we could just watch and see how it was going to play out. But yeah. that's a one that Chad didn't kick us out. We just we knew that our characters there was nothing we could do. We could just sit and watch. Now back to metagaming. I'm sorry, we kind of got off topic. That's okay. I mean, I don't want to interrupt the flow. Did you no. want to hear what I thought about metagaming? Yes, I want to hear your thoughts on metagaming, then I'll give you my, my thoughts thoughts. But yeah, so metagaming, uh, it definitely depends on the individual group, I think. And I know that I personally, I definitely don't mind. In fact, I kind of enjoy talking to the other characters outside of my character. Like, hey guys, what do we think about this? What do we want to do about this? <clears throat> excuse me, et cetera, et cetera. But I draw the line at like, I don't want any of that information that I have a, as a player have picked up to be transferred to my character. I don't think that's cool. Um, and I don't like that. So I guess I would say I endorse metagaming to the extent that, I mean, cause I'm there to be with my friends mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm there to talk to them and all that. I just don't want that information feeding over to something that my character would not have any other way of knowing. Right. So I think that's, that's the line is, it's fine for you as a player to make commentary and things like that nature. You know, mm-hmm. you can comment on a scene, but you can't use knowledge that you as a player have gotten anywhere, whether it's reading books or, you know, watching Critical Role or whatever, and then 
magically your character knows that same knowledge, even though your character has no excuse to know that knowledge. Um, I use Curse of Strahd because that's the one I know the most. That's a perfect example. If your character has never encountered these monsters before, there's no reason they should have any knowledge of how to kill them. Now, that being said, uh, you can always, if your backstory is, say it's our cleric is a cleric of Lathander, Lathander hates the dead, he's god of light and those things and that nature, it, is a, it could be assumed that his character would have read text somewhere in his religion talking about them, and there could be legends that your character may have heard growing up, but they're legends and myths and all that, so you can't take them for the gospel truth. And depending on how well you rolled on that check, it's going to tell you how much information you retained or believe. Right. So that being said, there's ways to get around metagaming. Uh, now, the big problem is when you have DMs who are playing as players. Mm. Yeah, I guess that would get tough. I don't think I've ever heard of that, actually. Or... You you yeah you have uh, Graham was a is a DM I'm a DM Chad's a DM oh I thought you meant like uh, somebody who was DMing and playing at the same time no 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 I meant DMs who are sitting at on the player side of the table okay yeah I think that's where metagaming gets really hard because DMs have a massive no amount of knowledge or people who are just obsessed with reading all the source material and they mm -hmm. they might know certain monster stats better than others right and so they will. Uh, They'll somehow go, well, I know I need to hit this and this and this. That's that's where I go, you're no longer metagaming, you're cheating. Right. Because you're using knowledge that you've gained outside of the game to game the game, essentially. To gain an advantage of some sort. Yeah. To their credit, I feel like, I mean, you and all the other DMs that I've played with have been really good about not doing that. And I think part of what helps is I know that our groups tend to have like a sort of post-session moment like a little after party if mm -hmm. you will and that's when you know all this information that you've been holding on to and like not letting bleed into the game when you can just like let it out just oh i knew this and this and this and this is about the thing oh my gosh yeah it, it 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 can be a challenge um and metagaming can be used i think the player's perspective it has it's a lot more restrictive on how metagaming can be used because there's narrative reasons why your characters don't know things. And right. so now as a DM, let's switch topics here and go to the DM side. DMs metagame a lot for reasons. As long as narratively you can justify metagaming. And once again, I go back to Curse of Strahd because Curse of Strahd is the campaign I'm actively running, reading a lot of, and understanding. And I'm actually, we're getting up to the climax of the story. So they're about to have their big, big dungeon run mm -hmm. to finish the story. Um, and But it has uh, the big baddie in that one, Strahd, is a character who is consistently observing the party in various ways. He's trying to gain as much information about them as possible. He's testing them at every turn, trying to see what they can do and what they can't do. Yeah, he has a reason to metagame. He's constantly trying to get an advantage over them. Well, but it fits 
story-wise, because he's got spies everywhere and all that. That's the one campaign where a DM should absolutely be metagaming as much as possible. Unless your characters have found ways to protect themselves from being observed. Right now, my party has protected magically from being observed. That's the only thing they've thought about, and hopefully, uh, let's see if they pay attention to that at all here. They probably won't. Let's hear your best evil DM laugh. Seems like a good spot for it. No. Come on. I, I, I don't have a DM laugh. Sorry. No, an evil DM laugh. I don't have one of those. You know that. Oh, well, fine. <laughs> there you go. I'll do it for you. But yeah, so it's there are ways to do it as a DM. DMs should be thinking about it a little bit. And you metagame to create challenging encounters. That's why I would do it. Is I want it to I want to tailor the campaign so every player is getting something out of it. And you can't do that without metagaming a little bit and knowing about what the character's strengths and weaknesses are. Eh, I don't think that's metagaming though, really. That's doing your job as a DM. But you're using knowledge that miss your characters in your game may not necessarily have. Well yeah, but you're not a character in the game. You are the DM. But I'm also every character in the game. Oh, that's very true. So, but you're positioning the characters in such a way that the players will encounter them in the right order, or you may even mess around with their stat blocks to make sure that, say you have nobody in your party that is charismatic, which is not outside the realm of possibility. Which has happened more than once. Uh, if they get into a situation where they have to try and talk their way out of it, they're going to be in trouble. But if you provide an outlet for them to use something else, maybe a stealth or uh, athletics to get out of it then you've provided them opportunities and you've you may not have metagamed as much but you've still used knowledge that your characters don't necessarily have but you as a dm have so you can structure the encounter properly and make it so that they don't just have to fight their way through as you said well i want to let are you at the end of your thought i think so okay. i don't know if i answered the question but <laughs> think so i mean this this is supposed to be just kind of a conversation metagaming for the most part unless it's just blatantly obvious you're using your your metagaming to essentially give your characters an advantage mm -hmm. i don't have as much problem with it it's when you're using it specifically to gain an advantage if you're using metagaming to enhance the story a little bit whatever i i mean unless you're doing it like something i'm trying to think of a good example well your character was out of communication for whatever length of time i have players miss sessions all the time it's just the nature of the business so we we find a narrative reason for their character not to be around now if you come back and there's been no indication that your character has talked to the party or anything but you come back and you know exactly what you need to do without assessing the situation then we might have an issue but if you go hey i want to catch up with the party see where they're at see what's going on what can i do to help right now I'm going to assume you, you're going to spend some time to have a conversation with everybody and try and figure things out. That's fine. You're just not going to be that, whoosh, I just can't have you be that white, you know, the white knight in shiny armor coming out of the blue to save the day. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't work for me. You have to do something to show that you're actively trying to investigate. Well, I suppose that kind of goes toward thinking about D&D &D as a game you can win. It's like you can't really win D&D. That's not even really the point. It's to tell a story. Yeah. And when you do that, it kind of, it's sort of like it's no fun when there's a superhero or villain that has no weaknesses. It's like, that's, oh, that's yeah. just not cool. No, it, it, and that's, as long as people understand you're just trying to tell a story and it has to make sense. 
has to be a logical story. There has to be rules to the universe. Mm, yeah. So you can't. And I have characters who I have players who try and break, who try and do things that are not logical, and I have to remind them there's still rules. Even though we're in a magical world, there's still rules to the universe. Basic things are still in effect. There are times when your plus fifteen to stealth is still not going to work. I don't care what you roll; it's not going to work. But I rolled a forty bajillion. Too bad, guy. It's just you know you, you got to think logically about this. Just don't get it in a hissy fit. <laughs> I think all the people we've played with have been real good about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i thinking more of, uh, I think this goes to a convention players. Oh, times. I was going to say, I know who you're talking about. Do you want to tell that story? Or we told that story on here already. The loot player? Yeah, the guy who came in and just blatantly... Yeah, we talked like, about him a little bit when we talked to, I think we talked about conventions a little bit we'll talk more about it uh next year i think we'll have a whole episode about convention play well cool so i guess we'll we'll save that for later guys and you'll just have to tune in if you want to hear the story yeah we may Uh even have uh we even have jake back on for that because i know he's done a lot of convention dming so so the best campaign for new players i know that the lost minds of fan it's the lost minds of fandelva right that comes in the starter set yes that is if uh, you're looking for something that's just easy to run, easy to pick up, that's the one I would go with. Yes. Um, but I yeah. thought you brought yeah. up an interesting point earlier when we were just talking. And I, sorry, I think I cut you off in the middle of making the point. No, you're fine. Carry on. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lost Minds is perfect for that when you want to pick up something easy. It introduces the rules. It's very well put together, well structured. Uh, the DM who ran it for me really enjoyed it from a DM's perspective. I enjoyed it from a player's perspective because it didn't. It's challenging, and yes, you can kill players in it. I think he ran it a second time, and he actually killed players in session one. But at the same time, it's also doesn't introduce. It introduces things slowly, so the party can slowly learn all the different things that you know learn understand that this is a world where you, nothing's off the table mm-hmm. um that being said my lost minds is great many of the if lost minds is also very short if you want something a little more long term you you guys are willing to make the commitment to go hey we're gonna play for a very long time let's pick a longer campaign most of the books Outside of, I think, a handful start at level one. So you can open up one of the books. Uh, I know Curse of Strahd can start at level one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen starts at level one. I think uh, Waterdeep starts at one. Um, you can do Ghost of Salt Marsh as a campaign and run it from level one. Right. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Most, or- of, them, most of them start at level one. Or you can start at level three. It's fine, too, if you guys feel like you're up for it. And alternatively, uh, this is the point I was thinking of earlier. Alternatively, if you guys, you know, your group gets together and you look at the Lost Minds of Fandel and you're like, this uh, does not float our boat, does not tickle our fancy, not feeling it. And there's this other, you're like, oh, there's this other adventure. It's not a beginning adventure, but oh, look at it. It's so cool and shiny and we really want to play that. Then go ahead and play that. I mean. Right. I mean, there's there's plenty of guides on the rules and things about how to play. That's fine. There's 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 a million videos and podcasts and things about how to play how to play is the easy part i mean get a story that you guys are excited to tell 
Where if you want to do, you know, the classic vampire story, great. Go Curse of Strahd. You want to go fight the big dragon, go Horde of the Dragon Queen and then run into Rise of Tiamat. That's a fantastic, uh, that, that's two books, so you're, and it goes all the way to level 20. It's one of the few campaigns that goes all the way up to 20. Cool. Uh, but you, through both books, I think Horde takes you up to 7 or 8. Right. And the flip and side then, of that is, like, if you guys, like, no, we really need to start on the starter level because we don't know what we're doing. Um, well, first of all, a lot of people don't really know what they're doing in D&D, and, and mm-hmm. it's just fun anyway. But also... If your group gets together, it's like, oh yeah, we really this is our first experience. We really want to play D and D. We're gonna do the starter thing because you're supposed to do the starter thing. And then nobody likes the story. You're all gonna slog through it and be like, oh man, I really don't like D and D. It's kind of a it's work. That was it. Yeah. Point. <laughs> oh no, that, that's 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 exactly you're exactly right. I mean, pick a story that excites you. And the beauty part is there's multiple starting adventures now. Uh, Essentials kit came out. There's the Stranger Things one. I think there's a Rick and Morty one now. They're all D&D starter adventures. So you can do... There's a, there's different flavors now to the starter sets. Right. And so that's the good news. More spots then, to start. So you're, you're not stuck in Lost Minds. Lost Minds is a good story, though. It's not a bad one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It, was and it provides a good dangerous. place, a good starting point for a launching point for some of the longer term campaigns. Many of the earlier ones, especially, have adventure hooks from Lost Minds into those campaigns. So it's pretty easy to link up to them. Right. Cool. Well, uh, I think that neatly answers yeah. that particular one. And um, yeah. yeah, you think you're right. So. What's your last topic? Last topic of the day. Okay. Well, so like I said, we had looked on uh, mostly on Reddit, different forums to find different questions, and one guy posted this question that I thought was pretty good. He was like, "Where should I? I want to, you know, I've played through a story adventure, you know, like through an adventure book, and now I want to try making my own. Where should I start making my own custom campaign?" And oh, what that- I thought would be fun was if you talked about a l- at least a little bit about how you came up with the campaign that Alora and Ian are going through, because you made that one up all by yourself. I mean, that was completely you. Yeah, okay. Um, that is a hodgepodge of different ideas that I've had. Um, and it has, it has evolved, because originally when I started writing my, my own campaign, it was, oh gosh, it's been a couple years since I actually started writing my first one. And I had this idea to do this grand world, giant world-scaping kind of war-type realm where you had a bunch of different races at war, and the party was going to have to deal with politics and, you know, combat and all that at the same time. And I was like, that's a lot for me to deal with, and I don't know if I'm going to have the same uh, party that's going to be committed to doing this kind of because I was looking at multiple years meeting very frequently. I was like, all right, let me shrink this down. So I started shrinking it down, shrinking it down. Started thinking of, okay, where are the players going to start? And I had this idea for, uh, and I totally ripped ripped off uh, Dragon Age Origins, the video game. I was going to do a Wizard's Tower very similar to the way they did their, there's a, there's a level or a 
section of the game where you fight through a wizard's tower, you're fighting demons and things through a wizard tower, and I was like, oh, that would be kind of fun. And I was like, well, why is this wizard tower so important? And I was like, well, maybe it's the, you know, the wizard council meets here. And, and you know, as we started figuring out what we were going to do for Huzzah, I was like, well, Jocelyn's probably going to want to play an elf character. So maybe it shouldn't, wizards would still work. But then you said you want to do druid because it's something different. I was like, all right, well, we're going to switch to the druid. It'll be a druid college. And, you know, okay, why, what's the big thing here and I was like well maybe it's a, a ceremony and I started ripping things out of World of Warcraft because druids are a very big part of that world I just started pulling from things that I knew and that's right. that's when you're building a custom campaign don't overthink it don't try and come up with something brand new especially if it's your first time this is really really hard don't be afraid yeah. to steal ideas or borrow I'm borrowing from multiple video games and then as the players start interacting with it, everything's changed. <laughs> I mean, my original plan has kind of shifted several times um, to, to fit with how the pacing is going too. Because I totally um, underestimated how long it would take you to get through certain things. Yeah, it's taking a lot uh, longer. Oops. No, it's, it, it's fine. That's just the way it goes. And... You know, if it was just friends at a table, I, I mean, I would still stick to the same script. But you know, we're doing it for a podcast, and we have a very limited amount of time to get through so many, so much, mm-hmm. and to get to the point I want to get to by the end of the season, which you know, we have two more episodes after this. Ooh. I'm gonna, you know, things are gonna have to change. I'm gonna have to, and we may, have, we may have an extra place, extra uh, episode where it's just play. And we may have multiple people on to help with that, too. Maybe we see if we can do a party line kind of thing. Sweet. Um, still, First so, time hearing about that. I thought I like uh, it. It's just, Sounds good. It just popped into my head. Actually, it's just kind of an idea. So uh, I'll have to talk to Joseph about it and see if we can make it work. Anyway. Consequently, this little bit might be edited out. Yeah, surprise! Brainstorm happened while I'm talking about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so wait, wait. It, so I have a clever line. Clever line. What's that? So it's basically no adventure survives contact with the players. Kind of like no battle plan survives contact with the enemy or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so a don't have every little thing plotted out. What you need is a an endpoint and a beginning. It's the basics to writing any story. You have to have a starting point and an end point. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out how your characters or your players in this aspect are going to get to the end point from the beginning. Like, I knew at the beginning, Alora was an aspiring student at the Druid College. Fantastic. Ian was going to be there in some form or fashion. I was like, okay, he's going to be a fighter. That was the only restriction I put on... The character creation is he was going to be an elf fighter. That was it. After that, the players took over and finished fleshing him out. Now, and I was like, all right, these two are going to encounter bandits. They're going to find the towns in trouble. Then they're going to be kind of sent around to do little things until people realize, okay, maybe they're the ones who can, you know, can sneak around while we're ma- while the- everybody else is putting out fires. They can finish the main quest line. So. And that's what's ended up happening. So now 
you know, we still have the big MacGuffin to get the Archdruid back. That's your that's what been what the the goal at the end of the rainbow essentially. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you know, we still got to figure that out. Assuming we make it there, we're still dealing with a crown like said, and whatnot. Like he said, we still have the crown to deal with too. That was the other. That was the the other MacGuffin that happened. So hey, you know, one MacGuffin achieved. All right. We might, you know, I may have built this out a little bit too big for what for the time frame we had, but I'm learning. This is the first time, first season. A lot of lessons are learned. Mm-hmm. I'll know next time. Okay, this needs to be a very streamlined story. If I even DM next time, we don't know. There's been talk of. Uh, what are you throwing out spoilers and stuff, Mister Wilson? No, I'm Teasers, throwing out. I'm throwing out. Uh, you know, suggestions as you know, next season may have some different twist. Who knows? Different twist. Different twist. Who knows? There may even be. We may even talk about it later on. Uh, after we get through this season on Patreon, who knows? Mm. All right. Yeah. Sign. I, I think this is where we make a shameless plug. Okay. Yeah, go to Patreon, sign up for Bookshop Media's Patreon. Make sure you let them know when you subscribe that you're you were sent by Huzzah so he can he'll know. Yes, why because there's many irons in the fire, that man. Yes. Uh, but you'll get the after shows. Those are exclusive to Patreon. Yes. And then you'll also uh, get to be involved in the conversation. If and when we post any sorts of polls about what we should do next. And I'm sure there will be information about that on the Patreon first before there's information on yes. it. Yes, and else. I think if you're a member on Patreon, you get to listen to these a little bit early, right? Yes, you up? do get access to the podcast early, and that's that's fantastic. But there will be polls, and I'm I'm toying with some ideas of getting some uh, audience involvement in the uh, in next season's story. Once again, Patreon. But back to first custom campaign. Right. And you got I any advice, you, I suppose we should say? You, you said start with the beginning and an end. Start with the beginning and the end. Don't overcomplicate it. Understand that your players are going to pretty much ignore every every clue you give them, and they're going to look for clues in the wrong place. So be ready to adjust. If you've prepped something and your players don't use it, don't throw it away. Save it because it can come back later. You might find a different place in the story it fits. Noise. And they can still encounter it. Um, I just ran a one-shot. I played in a one-shot that a friend hosted. And he wanted to do uh, like a nice eight-hour session. Well, our party ignored it, ignored about 60% of the map. Because oh. he, he, gave us, he gave us our goal. And our party was so focused on our goal. He's like, And he even put stuff in our way that he thought would dissuade us from going the way we went. Well, he didn't count on the fact that we didn't care. <laughs> all that preparation down the and drain, so he, but not he, because he, he saved all, it. He always, and he was about to throw it away. He's like, "You guys want to see?" It? I was like, "No, I don't want to see it." He's like, "Why?" I was like, "Because you can use that again, create another one shot, reuse those same pages, and maybe my next character will go through those." So don't throw anything away, and don't share stuff with your players that you may want to show them later. You know, you may. You mean show them in game? In game, yes, in game. Don't. You know, because the big temptation after the session is to always sh- tell the players, this is what could have happened. Don't do that. I still do it to <laughs> this day, that. and I kick myself the next day because I'm like, man, now I can't use that. So right. don't don't just throw it away or give it away. Save it. 
and you know have a name generator by gosh have a name generator ready whatever yeah. setting it is if you're dealing have if you need to have multiple of them so you have different race name generators have them on the ready so this many is tabs why i i do like playing with a laptop open as a dm i dm with a laptop because i can have a tab for a name generator because you can describe a bar scene as having you know five people in there and you have one super well described and that's the one you have the name prep for that's not the one they're going to talk to first they're going to talk to somebody else they're going to so you better have a name generator and make sure you write What's down the name what, of that random guy in the corner yeah make sure you write down who it is what he said to them what they said to you know what the gist of the conversation was because they may look him up later too so that that character's got to be now you now he's part of your part of your world and you need to um, I think I there was advice I heard on creating NPCs too. Mm-hmm. That you don't have to go too deep. They just need to have a motivation, a name, and uh, a place of origin. I think if they have those three things, you're fine. You can flush the rest out in, in improv wise. But they need to have a motivation. Why are they? You know, what's their motivation? What are they doing, and why are they doing it? Yeah, this this thing about people going in and wanting to talk to a random person, it reminds me of this little comic that I saw that was, yeah. um, I thought, very appropriate and kind of hilarious. So it's like, it's a comic, and it's over it, it's got this looming guy, and it's the DM, and he looks so frustrated. And then you look down, and you see, like, um, there's this little vignette happening on the left side. It's like a door with a wizard pointing at it and, like, tentacles and smoke coming out. And it's like, well-crafted plot hook. And then over on the right side... It's like, nameless NPC, and all the party are gathered around. It's like, oh, NPC, we want to talk to this guy. Yeah. No, I, um, you got, you have to be ready for them to go where you don't expect them to. So that's why it's also good, I like random encounters. Have them prepped, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use them all at all. If you don't use them, great, even better. But have some random encounters typed up and ready to roll um, that way you have something to uh, to go to when they decide, hey, we want to go explore this village you don't really have mapped out. Have an encounter. Have a village encounter. Maybe the village is in the middle of a raid. You know, oh, you know, uh, goblin raiders are ransacking the town right then when your characters show up. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe it just got hit by it, a violent hurricane. And they're in the middle of recovery, and your characters show up on the, in the middle of the recovery. You know, things of that nature. Have something prepped for that village that's going to entice the players to investigate a little bit. You know, cool. Don't just go like- that. That way, you have something prepped and ready. So, me, I'm running more of a railroad on on Hazan, and that's because. I'm short on time. I don't have time for you to really explore, so I have to make sure you guys are hyper-focused on the task at hand. But for a tabletop, when you have your just your friends over and you're hanging out and you're wanting to run them through this world, it's great to have a main quest. But have a couple of just like short one-shot sessions if they decide to go explore something. That way, they get something out of exploration. You know, they have fun because, oh, I got to explore something and we found this thing and maybe they make a friend or whatever. But, you know, it's not a wasted trip. Cool. The characters got something out of it. You mm-hmm. want to, I, I, and reward the exploration, you know, 
So that's why it's always good to have those prepped. You may never use them. That's fine. The characters may stay on your story the whole time. And if you got that, you've got to dream players. Because I don't know a single DM who has those players. Yeah. I mean, you know. But I'm, you love us. You love I know, us anyway. I, I, I enjoy it. My, you know, I was so sure last session in my Curse of Strahd game, I knew, exi- I knew going into it, I had even asked them, what's the plan for this session? So I can make sure I'm prepped properly. They said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do A. They talked about it. They talked about it. They talked about it. They never did A the whole session. We did three hours of them talking about it. <laughs> and you know what? I was fine with it. Because I was like, you know what? I can tuck that encounter away for a later date. Because I was planning for it. I knew. I was like, this is probably going to be the result of the encounter. So I have what's going to happen afterwards ready. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to tuck it away. I'm not going to tell because it still might happen too. Next session, because even though they've told me, hey, we're doing this next session, I'm prepared for them to go back and do the other thing. Yeah. He's like, I'm ready. So ready. So, um, but yeah, uh, A, have fun. Steal. Don't be afraid to steal ideas. If you have a story from a game or a book or a movie that you think would be fun to adapt, adapt it. You know? Yeah, I uh, This is see, your moment to fulfill all your fantasies. See, we played in a one-shot that was the D&D adaptation of The Lion King. Oh, yeah. And we were trying to... I remember we, knew we were going it. through the whole we knew story. It was, we, we, got through the, we got through the whole... You're right. We got through the whole night. We were, we were trying to figure out where did he write... Because I was like, like, he what didn't is write this? this. This familiar, though. There's something familiar about it. Then he, then at the end, we, he told us after we finished, he's like, yeah, that was The Lion King. I was like, oh... And didn't at one point you guys figured out it's like wait are we the hyenas? <laughs> no, we weren't. Were we? We hy- weren't the hyenas. We were hired but... to be the hyenas. Huh? But we didn't. We ended yeah. up switching sides because once we figured out that the guy who hired us was the bad guy, we turned on him. Yeah, but I just but still it, thought that moment was it, funny. It's it, like wait, we're the hyenas. <laughs> we were the hyenas at the beginning of the story, and it was mm-hmm. really well done. I got to give Chad credit. Chad, Chad did that, and he, uh, uh, you know, um, but yeah, so. Don't be afraid to borrow ideas. As long as you have a, you if you have an endpoint, a big baddie that you you want to build a story around, and that's who I would build your story around. It's the big bad. The big bad should be your most flushed out character in your entire game. If you've got him figured out, you know exactly where he came from, why he's doing what he's doing, what his end game is. It's perfect. And remember, just because the player he's not in the session doesn't mean he's not doing stuff right i keep reminding my players of that because they haven't seen strahd in well, we, meet one, we meet once a month they haven't seen him in about a year oh no <laughs> i was like just because you haven't seen him doesn't mean he's not doing things you guys gotta remember you guys are planning for the Strahd that you saw strahd is not going to be the same and and it's okay for your players to remember that that oh we don't know what he's up to, but it can't be good, <laughs> you know. For sure. And so I, I, I love the idea of building a big bad and making that the start point of writing the story. And then, because your player, where your players start, is going to depend a lot on who's playing, what characters they're bringing to the table, you know, have they talked about backstories together? If they have, then probably they're all coming in from the same place. That's fine. But, you know, A, have fun with it. Just have have your point, your, your major plot points plotted out. 
but be ready to move them around. Cool. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I think that's pretty good advice. So what I heard was, um, one, have fun. Two, have a beginning and an end. Three, have plot points that you can kind of move around in the middle and don't show them to your players because you can maybe use them later. Yeah. Then have some random encounters prepped out. And random encounters. Flushed out. I mean, it just helps have a couple for a random town that they decide to go to. A couple for random NPCs that they may find, and then just some random travel encounters. So while they're on the road, slick. That sounds like a pretty good checklist for writing your own I, first campaign. I, Go you. That's a start. I mean, and then once again, write what you know. Don't don't try and come up with something new. If it's that's way too much pressure to put yourself under for a first time campaign. Yeah. Uh, and remember. Most of us are not like Matt Mercer and don't have eight hours a day to work on it. Mm, I don't know that he actually has eight hours a day, but it is actually a part of his um, his official job now. I was going to say, it's he gets paid to do it, so he probably spends a lot more time than the most of us do on their campaigns. Yeah, well, to be fair, he did start doing that when he was... Um, when he wasn't being paid for it, but I think it was his hobby, like his one singular hobby. That is That's what all he did. he did, yeah. Where we, the rest of us have other things <laughs> mm. all right uh i think that's it uh i think we're out of time for this one out of time Indeed. yeah i mean um well it's we been did. lovely chatting with you jeff oh i always enjoy chatting with you it's just we get to share this conversation with everybody else remember to go to bookshop media's patreon and twitter um to find out all the latest news that's coming out i know joseph's got big plans for 2020 so we're really excited to be on the uh on board with him Mm. and then i know jocelyn has got something going on for geek renaissance uh it's it's still in process but it's definitely uh, we're going to be doing something well i'm going to be working on a project with joseph so it's sort of geek ran and bookshop media I don't know. Yeah, it's a well. It's this is like the worst plug ever. I have done horribly. It's, it's a partnership between Gate Renaissance and uh, Bookshop Media. Bookshop Media is doing a lot of the technical lifting, but news on that will be on both Twitter accounts when it gets time. Yes. So in summary, we're so glad you guys are here. Uh, please go check out the Bookshop Media uh, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon if you're interested in other stuff that we do. Uh, please check out the Geek Renaissance. Again, Facebook, Twitter. We really like getting together and being able to talk about D&D. And it's fun because we've heard some really lovely stuff back from from you guys. You've been listening and you've said such complimentary things. Thank you. It's so nice. And um, so we really we wish you guys all the best. Thank you for being here. And you ready for the thing? All right. Whenever you're ready. One, two, three. Huzzah! Huzzah!